Welcome. Welcome to Why Though. We're your hosts, Tiffany Bloom and Ashley Abercrombie. We land somewhere in between Mother Teresa and Biggie Smalls, and we're just wondering, why though? We all have questions, from our existential crisis curiosities to our, hey girl, why your eyebrows look so good though? And we want to tackle all of those questions with you. Welcome back to Why Though. Tiffany and I are so ready for today's topic, right on the heels of last week's topic, which was why she bullies though. Today we're going to be talking about why women are still not equals. I think this is such an important topic in our culture because we have come so far as women. We have come radically down the track from where we used to be and how we were valued in society into this new place, but we still have a ways to go. And so Tiffany and I really want to talk about this important conversation today. It Tiffany, is what so do you got for us? It is so important, and it's so sensitive, Ashley, isn't yeah. it? I think it is yeah. something that people don't know what to make with it and why they feel the way they do or why they feel inferior. I know for me, I wouldn't have been able to tell you I am being treated less than the men in the room or I'm being treated less than those who are in a better place or stance in life because they're a man, even though I may be more educated or have more experience being mansplained to without having the verbiage to explain how I felt and finding myself in atmospheres where women were falsely elevated, but in reality, they were being groomed to just do the work of men or meet a man's agenda. And I, I, we know this is a heavy, sensitive subject, and we're not in any way trying to be political. We're deeply moved by the work of Jesus and how he treated women, and we believe that this is a matter of justice, not politics. So I just want to start with that and say that. And, you know, it's interesting right now in media, this idea that women aren't equals is being portrayed in so many ways. I think so an episode true. of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I think of Unbreakable <laughs> Kimmy Schmidt constantly <laughs> touching on the fact that women aren't equals and they don't have access or a voice that they honestly deserve. So it's interesting how we, in a comedic forum, we talk about this, but being able to talk about it, not as a look at me, I'm a woman, I deserve every good thing, but as I believe in who Jesus was and if the way he treated women is any indication of our place in the world, then we can be confident that we are equals and we we continually are subject to places and structures and systems where we are not treated as equals. And there is something to be said about that. And it is important for us to talk about this, not combatively, but honestly with Mm -hmm. our experiences. Yeah. Well, I feel like you just said a lot. So I want to unpack a few things for some of our listeners. Um, So can you talk to us about what it means, mansplaining and what that means? And then what I want to unpack more with you about what it's like to be a woman in an environment where you have perceived power, because maybe you're giving opportunities to speak or you're giving opportunities to present things or, but you don't have any actual real decision-making power. So I want to unpack those two things that you talked about, because I think they're so important in this conversation. And as we're gently leading women in, and I agree with everything you said about this being a justice issue, not a politics issue, and really just a value dignity issue, (laughs) you know? Absolutely. Um, So let's unpack that for our people. Mansplaining is when a man explains something to a woman in a condescending manner. 
And most often the woman is completely understanding whatever topic is at hand. (laughs) Right. And she might even be more educated and more aware of the situation that the man is explaining. I think there's no better place to look for mansplaining than Twitter. The other day my (laughs) husband, this is so great, the other day my husband sent me a tweet and he he got on the topic of searching hashtag mansplaining or mm-hmm. hashtag mansplain. It's great. And it was this physicist who said, oh, um, global warming or something like that. And then someone's like, well, if you really knew, and he goes into this long explanation, and he's and he says at the end of this, you really should go to school if you want to be talking on the internet and oh, wow. talk about things you should know. Wow. And she responds, oh, no, this is so great, though. <laughs> so he goes into this long explanation that's, as I said, very condescending. And she replies back, I have a PhD in, like, something with weather right something big word with weather <laughs> she's like she's like so another degree would just be overkill but thanks for the ideas for your tips i really appreciate <laughs> that all your pro tips <laughs> yeah and it was just this hilarious thing of wow she didn't need that and she let him you know say his long thing on the yeah. tweet machine and yes. then she replied back yeah i think another degree would be overkill i have a phd in blah 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 right and i was like yeah girl you speak your truth <laughs> <laughs> so let him know. It was let him know. Or I think there was another one recently that went viral, actually, where a man on Twitter was trying to explain female anatomy, and he had it wrong. Did you see this? No, it was everywhere. I'm man. very glad I didn't. Oh, it was so funny. I wish you would have. <laughs> I'll send it to you. Don't worry. But Refinery Twenty Nine, Bustle, HuffPost, Women. I mean, several outlets picked it up. I think Hello Giggles as well. And this man was going on about explaining female anatomy to women, to gynecologists. Gosh, unreal. To gynecologists, to female gynecologists. And they were like, <clears throat> yeah, so we know what it's called. We, A, have one, and B, studied this at length. And we it's teach like, other women how to take care of their bodies. So it was just yes. a, it was a Fully crazy unpacks thing. So, exactly what mansplaining is. There you go. Mansplaining. <laughs> also, I encourage you, if you just want to giggle and just laugh at the world and all that's happening in it go ahead and hashtag mansplain on twitter and you're welcome yes we'll have to do that later tiffany we're very excited (laughs) and then let's talk about the perceived opportunity because i feel like that happens so often in people's careers where you get a little taste of something and that's enough to satisfy you to live as less than in in your career or in um, maybe a faith community that you're a part of or whatever community that you might be participating in. You know, women tend to take a back seat at times. So I want to talk more about that. I loved what you shared. Yeah. As you said, it's about perceived power, right? Yes. So I think when a woman is brought into a room and praised for who she is, what she's done, her accomplishments, her experience, her education, and even sadly her appearance, meaning because of all of these things, you're a great fit for this role. Mm -hmm. And she's given things she wants to do, you know, a leader or I mean, specifically an unjust leader would tap into those dreams and desires and wants and satiate those dreams and desires and wants only so that that woman can be used for his agenda later on only so so that woman can feel good but in reality we're going to keep her busy with what she thinks matters so we can continue to get on with the bigger agenda at hand so i think that there's um just this it's really subtle manipulation is what it is because we feel like oh my gosh this is so great i'm being celebrated for who I am. And I think even for me, to be very honest with you, um, 
I was once in a situation where, you know, as a minority immigrant brown woman in America, you know, these are the things that we read about are the reasons we're not going to advance in our career. So to be in an environment where I was celebrated for those things was amazing, but right. only if it really hmm. would have been true, right? right? Only if it really would have been true. And to find like, oh, you know, it was this, I mean, this is also bringing in some racism into it, but you know, oh, but you, you, you're brown, but you seem so white. So mm. you really fit what we need. Oh, gosh. So that's, but again, I don't want to digress from the issue at hand talking about a woman's place. So, but they're intersectional, right? So, you know, absolutely. as, as a white woman, I won't have to deal with nearly the degree of things that women of color have to deal with. And I know that, you know, um, and, it's and not I thank fair. you for recognizing that. <laughs> yes. And listeners, it's important. This isn't meant to be a subtle jab at anyone who no. doesn't agree with us. Right. We truly, we're learners. We yes. are learners. And yep. as followers of Jesus, every day is an opportunity to grow yes. in humility yep. and hunger for the way of the Father. Yeah. And this is one way we do that. I agree. I, you know, um, I very often in my life, I've always worked in service roles, which I've talked about here on our podcast in former episodes. But, you know, I've worked in a lot of service industries. I I got a worker's permit when I was like 12 and a half years old, started um, waiting tables at a little fish house and just worked in country clubs on the summertime and then became a waitress for a long time. Then I was a personal assistant and then I was an executive assistant. So I feel like I've done a lot of service type roles. And then when I transitioned into roles with, um, you know, and I'm putting this in quotation marks, more important titles, (laughs) I can remember going into meetings and still being asked to do Um, administrative things so we can be sitting in these meetings where I have the same title as everyone in the room but I'm I'm the one that the whoever's presenting or leading the meeting is asking to take notes or is asking to hey can you go grab some cups for the coffee or can you go do this that or the other thing and I always noticed that it was never a man who got asked to do those Mm -hmm. things you know obviously there's that that shows a different level even between females who would be on a team right because since i have executive experience executive assistant experience even though i was in a new role people still saw me a certain way so there's kind of that caste system within women as well but speaking directly to the man part i never once saw a man have to order food for lunch you know if it wasn't his job anyway but people mm-hmm. with my title never had to order lunch or had to take care of notes or had to make sure that you know the meeting stuff was circulated post meeting you know but i would have very often get asked to do that. And then I can remember um, when I first moved to New York, I went to this um, pastor's meeting. And in the room, there were, let's say, I think there were 11 women total, maybe there were 12, maybe there were 10, in a room of about 100 or so people. And then there were um, probably, you know, 15 people of color. And I leave room for sometimes you can't always see someone's ethnicity, obviously. Uh, But at the same time, just looking around the room thinking, man, there's no one here who looks like me. And at the end of the speaker who, who shared some amazing pro tips for pastors and, um, and people who are trying to build things, they were so great. And I just um, raised my hand and asked him the question, you know, hey, how do you manage uh, having a family? He had little kids like me. So I was like, how do you manage having a family, leading a church, and then also building the other things that you're building? Can you give us any tips about that? And then he just looked at me and said, well, what I do is I give my wife, you know, some money to go get her nails done and get her hair done. And I take the kids for like three hours. And I was like, I'm sorry, did we just avoid the question completely? Like, is this actually what you think, uh, you know, a woman's role is relegated to that she just needs a mani and a pedi 
break from raising her kids. Like, are you kidding me right now? Um, And it was just a really interesting moment for me. I actually took the next step of reaching out to the organization and asking them what their stance on women was. Like, how do you view women? How do you value women? Um, Here was my experience. Can you talk to me about it? And so the guy let me know that in this particular organization, they don't view women as equals. They don't um, honor women women as a pastor. They don't recognize women can serve in those roles, um, which is just a theological difference from what I have. And then he, he shared with me that they were on the journey. Um, and I bring up all this to say, like, you know, Martin Luther King says justice delayed is justice denied, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So at what point do you walk away and at what point do you stay? Um, And I have some thoughts about both of that, but I'd love for you to weigh in, Tiffany, because sometimes you can make the journey with people, but you don't have to, you know? So how do you know when to stay in an organization where things really are changing? And how do you know when to go? Like, obviously, you're just not going to be valued here. So how do you make those decisions? Yeah, I think if you sense humility, like you said, if there's if there's right. a journey to be had and they're open, if you sense an openness and humility that people want to change and structures want to value women, um, then I think that's the next step you need to look for. And, and even stepping yeah. back from that, before you even get to that point, it, those power structures have to recognize that this is even an issue because right. so many that's of them huge. don't want to because it's right. not because they don't have anything to lose. Right. Their their butts aren't in the hot seat. They're not on the losing end right. of a woman not being valued. And yep. for so many of us to stay in good graces with the power structures that surround us, we as women are pigeonholed into becoming exactly what others expect and want. And sometimes we yes. don't even know it. And for some of us, this is just the way it is. If we want to be able to pay our bills, we better go ahead and just show up and keep doing it and keep ordering the food and keep being because we're women, even though we have more education, more experience, more things to say that could advance the company, church, community as a whole, whatever it may be. But we're, we are benched. We're benched. And I think for so many of us, we put up with absolute bull, um, <laughs> thinking that maybe if we just stay quiet mm-hmm. or if we just stay nice, we don't rock the right. boat in any way, you eventually we now. might get our time. Come Hopefully on. they'll see me. Hopefully they'll mm-hmm. see how hard I'm working. Mm-hmm. And I think that it just is, it's sick. Uh, the therapist, really Sonia is. Rhodes, who um, her whole work is on understanding a woman's place. She says it's a catch-22. She says this, whatever women do, they have to do it nicely. Mm. But the more you back off, the more they don't take you seriously. Mm -hmm. So I love how you just said, I took the next step and emailed the organization. Mm -hmm. I love that you added that. Not only did you have this adverse experience and were like, what the what? You then took the step like, hey, I want you to clarify where you stand here because you can't sell a false bill of goods when there are women in the room. And we just felt so belittled by that experience. So being able to identify and because, you know, we do want to give people the benefit of the doubt, don't we? We do want to say, Hey, are you learning? Are you, or do you want to grow in this area? Or is this something that you're not open to? Cause I need to know now. Yes. And I I feel like, yeah, that's it right there. Right. And I think in some ways, if it's your work, you kind of are stuck a bit more than, okay, I was, I was paying money to go show up and learn from these pastors. And so I told him on the phone, I am making the decision now that until this changes, I won't be investing any more of my money or time into this organization. I appreciate that you're on the journey. I love that. It just costs me too much to be there. Um, versus if you're on your job, I have a dear friend, um, and same thing, she she made a decision in her organization that didn't value women equally. 
but they were on a journey with her and they let her know that and they started taking steps and strides. And then pretty soon she was actually in position to be their, their one female communicator. She was a per- the first time they had opened the door wide to women to lead in this certain capacity. And so because of that, she's like, I know my heart can, I know I can journey with them and I know I can make a way for other women because that was in her heart to do it. And so it's been a long journey for her, but she has step by step by step seen fruit in the organization, seen the humility that you were talking about, Tiffany. And mm. it's really paved a way not just for her but for other women who have a desire to lead the way that she does Um, and so I respected her choice you know it's like that that was a great choice for you and that was a godly thing and it was the work God was asking her to do so I think there are those times when we need to stick it out and there are those times where you're like no this is very clearly an image issue and not an integrity issue and so because you want it to look good and not to actually be good I'm gonna have to tap out you know and we get to make those choices Absolutely. I think where it gets really nasty, Ashley, is when women end up oppressing other women. Oh, because let's they, talk about that because yeah, this is so real. It really <sighs> is. And it's so, and it's so it's hard. Over, it's yes. systemic. It's, yes. it's all of it. And what happens is because women don't feel like they have a place and they're like, man, if there even is this magical place at the table, right? because they are perhaps even trapped in a system where if they want to play ball, they've got to comply with the gatekeeper who let them in. Right. Then they're thinking, okay, how do I make my space? How do I, you know, mark my territory? And often it's at the expense of other women. Yes. And you know what? The people at the top are actually counting on that. Like the power structure counts on that because then what that means is that the the organization is thriving on competition and jealousy and they're they're counting on that because then women never get together and get close and they never say hey this isn't right is there a way we could work together to bring more people through is there a way that i can support you is there a way i can walk alongside you as we deal with this issue you know i think we just sort of settle into our roles instead of really identifying like this is how they want that you know the system is set up so that we will compete with one another because then there can only be one of us and they're fine with that <laughs> you know so I think it, it really yeah. does drive a wedge between us instead of allowing us to use our power for good. Like we can band together and actually yeah. make a difference. And wouldn't you say that the latter perpetuates the idea that women are catty and backstabbers and jealous yeah, of, of each course. other and it competitive? It so, perpetuates the narrative, right? Exactly. But we're positioned to do so. Correct. Right? We're positioned. Yes. Now, I, I, we are not, listeners, we are not just talking about a work environment. We are talking right? about church, could community. Mommy and me. Yep, exactly. <laughs> That's what I was literally just going to say. I was like, this could happen at Mommy and Me. It can. Where women oh. are pitted against one another versus building bridges. And instead, everything is opportunities with strings attached so that you will prove yourself. And it's not, we are not here to go all hunger games on each other, y'all. Right. Like that is not the plan. Right. That's not the plan. That's right. It is truly, I think, you know, and that goes back to humility, doesn't it? Being yes, willing it to partner with another woman and say, yes. you are not my competition. Yeah. I refuse to envy or be jealous of your experience, yes. your education yes. and your place and your voice and even your charisma. Yeah. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to see you as my sister. You are my sister, not that. my enemy. Love it. I think it it really does. And listeners, Ashley has a blog on this from years ago. Ashley, do you remember the name of that blog? I don't, but I'll find it. Okay, we'll post that in the show notes because there's a blog that she wrote years ago that has always stuck with me. And it is about this, that we are sisters and 
we're never to be pitted against one yeah. another. So I think that that would be really helpful. I would love to share it. We definitely will put it in the show notes. And I also want to say that as women, we have to make that bold, courageous choice. Like I'm partnering with what Tiffany just said, because it's so powerful. But if you are a woman on top, you have to make the choice to let your pride go, that you are not the yeah. be all end all, that you are not created to be the shining star of the organization, but you are actually created to use your power for good. Yeah. And so I think it's very, very important that we as women recognize that, you know, there have been moments where I have had to really check myself and go, you know, wait, why does this person get the opportunity? But then I remember, wait, I had, I've already had two of those this month. It's fine that they got the opportunity. That's a really good thing. You know, so I've been on both sides of the equation where I've had to let my pride die and my ego die and my desire for opportunity to be checked constantly so that plenty of people are getting opportunity. And um, I want to say one final thing about your... um, the table metaphor that you gave, because I think it's really powerful. And one of my mentors was telling me, you know, there's such a difference between setting the table for somebody to come and sit down at the thing that you've already built, and then making space for them so that they can create and build alongside you. And I thought that was such a powerful metaphor, because it allows each of us as women to be able to bring the thing we're created to bring, and be able to set our place for ourselves, (laughs) you know, that we actually get to weigh in on what it looks like, what placemat's going to get laid down for me, what does my little section of this organization or this mommy group or this, you know, college campus group, what does my section look like and how can I bring my whole self to it? Um, And I think that's a really powerful picture that we're not just setting the table for people to come and be like us and eat like us and look like us, but we're actually, hey, we made a space for you. Now make it yours and bring what you bring to this table because that's why you're here. It's really important that people don't just have a seat, but they have a vote and they have power, you know, that, that actually really matters in the way we set everything up. Yeah. I have not one final thought, but about three to four. So here we go. (laughs) Number one, (laughs) number one, we must always, when you look at history, it's hardly the power players, the people who are building, setting the table. It is, it is almost never the power players that toe the line of dignity and justice, but it really is usually the underdogs, the underserved and the oppressed who march toward the line of justice to make room at that table. And so I just, as Ashley said, this is really to echo what you just said of as a woman, if you have any power in any situation that you're in, I don't care if it's mommy and me at the gym, in your Bible Mm -hmm. study, at work, um, and your wine group. I don't know where you're at. Whatever it is. Book club. Thank you. That'd be a better example of me. I'm like when you drink alcohol with your friends. Oh, well. Awesome, Tiffany. Um, Let's go with book club. Book club's great. Um, Your Toastmasters. What else is there? There it is. Perfect. Toastmasters. Whenever you're with them, it is always a beautiful opportunity to toe the line of dignity and justice on behalf of women in whatever capacity it may be. Yeah. And then I think, you know, we can look back at the women in the suffrage movement, the women at the resurrection, you can right, look back, even the women around the Time's Up and Me Too movements, yeah. they were raising their voice, not just for themselves, but on behalf of all women, Yes, on behalf of all women, saying, we have had a demeaned existence in yeah. one form or another, yeah. subject to silence, but we want to stand up because we believe that there is something better. Yes, And so many of the women, actually, of all the movements I just mentioned obviously the woman at the resurrection but they were followers of jesus right they were followers of jesus and they believed because of who jesus was that redemption and goodness was for them all the days of their life and ashley there is um just that poem i think that we should read poem Hmm. i think of more of an anthem do you know the one i'm talking about my love no tell me the carlos rodrigo yeah oh i've got it yes 
You know what? I think that'd be so beautiful to share right now. Do you want to share that? I sure will. So Carlos Rodriguez, we love him. Look him up. He's phenomenal. And he said this, Dear Church, Jesus protected women, empowered women, honored women publicly, released the voice of women, confided in women, was funded by women, celebrated women by name, learned from women, respected women, and spoke of women as examples to follow. Your turn. Mm, so good. Listeners, we love you. We pray this has been an encouragement to yeah. really, and maybe even just the beginning of thinking, okay, in what areas of my life are women not equal and how can I make a difference? Yeah. With wherever, it doesn't matter if you're a, you know, a, a college student, um, it doesn't matter if you're a stay-at-home mom, single, living the high life and working full-time, or you've got grandbabies, whatever the case yeah. may be. We as women are dignified, worthy of goodness all the days of our lives because of who Jesus is. So we invite you to join this sisterhood that we're talking about. And men, we know you're listening too to our podcast. And mm-hmm. we pray that the the friends and sisters and mothers and daughters and nieces and wives in your life um, are equals in love and goodness. Yeah. Bless you. Bless Thank you, you for joining us this week. <laughs> and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, listeners, remember to subscribe and comment. It helps others to find the show. To learn more about Tiffany's writing, speaking, or books, visit TiffanyBloom.com. To learn more about Ashley's writing, speaking, or books, visit AshAbercrombie.org. See you next week.